listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on this Friday. And my goodness, so much to talk about. We have you covered this hour. We're going to go to space with Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, unveiling his concept for a moon lander. Wow, that's going to be cool. We'll talk about that. All you nerds out there, get get excited. Uh, in our last segment this hour, oh man, this is going to be help that you are going to need. We have a mom panel here. We have some moms who are going to tell it like it is. What do they want for Sunday? What not to do? Now, this is good information for both uh, men and women. But specifically here, I'm going to speak to the divorced dads out there, you separated dads, my homies, I hear you, you're asking to yourself, do I really need to get the ex something? Do I, re- like, really? Do I need to, I need to give my kids something to give to my, I'm going to spend some time doing that? Well, do you have to? Our mom panel going to weigh in on that. Man, that is going to be good. You heard breaking news in transportation just in the last hour, the announcement of the three Ontario highways that will be pilot locations for speed limits raised to 110 kilometers an hour. This is going to begin mid-September. It's Highway 402 from London to Sarnia, the QE from St. Catharines to Hamilton, Highway 417 from Ottawa to the Ontario-Quebec border. So that is interesting news there. Other really interesting news has to do with booze. No TV and no beer make Homer something something. Well, Homer, you can watch as much TV as you like, and if the provincial government has its way, you'll be able to get beer in corner stores along with wine. But all of this is going to come at a cost. So say critics. And next week, you watch. My prediction here on this radio program is that beer and wine in corner stores is going to blow up. It is going to be the issue next week because after we get through Mom's Day, we're heading right into the Victoria Day long weekend. The 2-4, folks. The 2-4. You watch. The Ford government's got something up its sleeves and... So does the beer store. More details on that coming. But already the first shot across the bow. This from the Globe Newswire. This is a press release from the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Canada, local 12R24. That rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Quote, Ontarians will pay more for beer and put 7,000 good-paying jobs at risk with the PC government's plan to sell alcohol in corner stores, even though Premier Doug Ford promised no one would lose their job. The beer store employs over 7,000 people, continues this, this press release. So what has happened now is the UFCW has launched a public awareness campaign about the high cost of this move for beer lovers and communities. Here's their ad, one of them, that they've released to try and convince you, the public, that being able to go to the Max Milk and get a six-pack is a bad idea. 
beer prices skyrocket across the province. Corner stores, home to what many are calling the six-pack ripoff. Beer prices in Ontario reach the same highs as Alberta. It doesn't have to be this way. Putting beer in corner stores will make it more expensive. The beer store keeps prices down despite taxes that are 50% higher than in Quebec, 300% higher than in New York. Taxes make beer expensive in Ontario. Laying off 7,000 beer store employees won't fix that. Premier Ford, keep your promise that no one will lose a job. Paid for by UFCW 12R24, the union for beer store employees. That is, you're listening to an ad there at the end. You heard the ID, ID there, paid for. Unfortunately, I just ran that for free. I just, this whole thing about, you know, i got to make a dollar here. This is a private business. This is not the CBC, folks. I do not take your tax dollar. I only take your tax dollar when the government advertises here. So that's what I like. I like to hear Ontario news advertisements on this radio program because that's how I get your tax dollar. I don't work for the CBC, but that's how I get it. See, I still get it. Let's look at the cash. But that, that, isn't, that is fascinating, and it is so interesting. And I, I think the question you have to ask yourself is, do you really need beer and wine in a corner store? Are, are, are you really suffering nowadays from a lack of access to alcohol? This after the liberals modernized the situation or modernized the, um, uh, the entire point of sale law and allowed grocery stores to have it. And now the government says, well, corner stores and big box stores need it as well. And it is going to come with a cost. And I'm telling you, you mark my words. The uh, brown pops, as my dad call them. My dad, my dad is from a, you know, it's a kind of a strict family. He's got some, you know, I come from a religious background, so he had all kinds of, you know, words for things that, that you know, so the, the, my great aunts wouldn't realize what he was asking for. I love a brown pop. I want to talk about Sam Oosterhoff's very bad, no good week. Sam! What? Dr. Zeus? How is Dr. Zeus suddenly back in the news at Queen's Park? Well, if you listened to this program yesterday, you know that Sam Oosterhoff is a Niagara Region MPP. And yesterday, right in the middle of question period, he goes outside and he speaks at a pro-life, a anti-abortion, let's call it what it is, an anti-choice group. And he speaks loudly and on behalf of that. And this is right in the middle of question period. And bef- and then he comes back in. And before question period is finished, the NDP are saying to the Premier, hold on, what's your position on this? you got a guy right there, sitting right there in your ranks, who says he's in favor of that. Well, there were some tough questions for Sam Oosterhoff in the hallways. He tried to duck into an elevator. He could, like, you know, there's this thing where he's in the elevator desperately pressing down, like, please close the doors, and all the cameras are there. Finally, he comes back out, and here's what he lays on us. This. A person's a person, no matter how small. He quoted Dr. Zeus. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate that. I will read to you. Now, all of this, because as I as I mentioned, you know, in question period, the premier was then asked, well, where do you stand on this? And he punts it to the Minister of Energy. What? What, what, is it, what has that got to do with it? His heart was two sizes too small. Here was the statement released by Premier Doug Ford late in the afternoon 
when the progressive conservatives seemed to realize that this thing was going sideways in a big hurry. Quote, the Ontario PC party is a big tent. We welcome members from a wide variety of backgrounds and beliefs. Our government is focused on protecting what matters most, cleaning up the fiscal mess, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then the last sentence, the government will not reopen the abortion debate. So, has that been put to bed? We'll have to see. Do you take the GO train? Do you pay when you take the GO train? I ask this because a new report from Metrolink says that fare evasion is three times higher than the transit organization previously thought. Fifteen million bucks a year being lost because people are not ponying up. Listen to this guy waiting at Union Station last night for a GO train. Right now, you hardly see uh, much enforcement officers. I'm on the Kitchener Line train, and if I see them once a month, I, that's that's a lot. So it's, and I even myself, I see a lot of people not even uh, uh, paying the fares. So it's it's definitely a, a good move in the right direction. And what he's referring to there is what Metrolink says is going to fix this problem. That report I referred to determined that 3% of riders just simply do not pay. And I've taken the GO train enough times to know that you just don't, you don't see the fare inspectors all that often. Here is Amanda Ferguson with Metrolinks talking about some tough new rules to try and crack down on those trying to skip out on paying. We were only kind of boarding one car, so people could avoid um, the the revenue inspectors if they wanted to. That's going to change. And another big thing is that we're having a zero tolerance approach. If we catch you not paying your fares, you'll be issued a $100 fine. Metrolink says there are 12 new full-time revenue protection officers. They've been hired and are expected to begin their duties on June the 1st. If you ride the GO train, every once in a while, you look up and say, why is, why is, why are there so many people moving to the back of the train? Why is, what is going on? And then the fare inspector comes through and you're like, oh, like it is so easy to dodge. It is ludicrous. So good news that I think maybe Metrolinx is paying attention to that because it all costs us. That's our tax money, folks. When we come back, we're going to go to the moon. Pow! Alice, right to the moon! Thank you so much for being with us, and my goodness, so much space news lately. I just did not foresee suddenly a new space race coming upon us, and a new race to get to the moon, but it is here. And Amazon tycoon Jeff Bezos said Thursday he's going to send a spaceship to the moon, and that joins a resurgence of lunar interest. Uh, Bezos saying, quote, it's time to go back to the moon and this time to stay. He released a a prototype or he stood in front of a prototype of a moon lander. Now, Bezos owns the Washington Post, as you probably know. He he walked off the stage. This was kind of crazy. He didn't provide many details. No launch date. 
nothing about customers or plans for humans and rockets, but he spent a lot more time talking about his dream of future generations living on an orbiting space station. Yeah, it was it was a little freaky to tell you the truth, but you know this new moon race is way uh, is already well underway. It involves private companies, new countries that we never really considered to be part of the space race before, and NASA with a return mission to place astronauts back on the moon by 2024. What is going on? Tom Vassos is a member of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, and he spends most of his time with his neck craned upwards, staring at the sky. Tom, good to have you on the program. Thanks for having me, Alan. Why are we going back to the moon, dude? Well, the main thing is just for the excitement of space travel, and Jeff Bezos keeps talking about how this is the perfect place to do heavy manufacturing because the gravity on the moon is 24 times less powerful than on Earth, so we can build all kinds of things on the moon and send them out into outer space. Wait, so maybe the Amazon you know, facility will be there, maybe? I don't It seems crazy. Who knows? Maybe an Amazon distribution center yes. or something like that. <laughs> so, but what do we really know? And, and all of this seems to be based on drones and, and not much in the way of, of humans landing, although I did mention that NASA says it wants to put astronauts back on the surface. Yes, even Bezos was talking about probably starting with equipment and robots first, but humans by the end of 2024 seems to be the goal of Jeff Bezos and NASA and the U.S. government. So who knows? They could really push for that and actually make it happen. But before, when we last had the space race, we were in the midst of a Cold War, and it was about prestige and fear of Sputnik and all the rest of that. What is the driving force now? Well, Given that this is a project of a company and also, you know, Amazon and and Blue Origin is the actual company launching these things up to the moon, uh, potentially it's got to pay for itself. I mean, Bezos is investing a billion dollars a year to make this happen, but potentially it opens up entirely new industries like heavy space manufacturing and a space tourism industry and space mining to go out there and collect up asteroids worth trillions of dollars, you know, so there's, there's all kinds of future potentials. This, this has the feel of people with more money than sense. I mean, Bezos has already started his, uh, about to start his tourism industry to the edge of space, letting people kind of experience it for 10 minutes. And I'm sure that will cost tens of millions of dollars to try that out. But I'm sure the price will come down over time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, China has landed a rover on the moon's far side. SpaceX last year announced plans to send a Japanese businessman around the moon in 2023. And Israel, after a bit of a disaster, says it's going to give it a second shot. So we have so many players in these in this game. We do, and each one is learning new things. For example, the China uh, Chang'e 4 lander that landed on the far side of the moon actually planted cotton, potato, and mustard seeds, and the cotton seeds actually sprouted on the moon. <laughs> they sent a remote signal to water the plants, and they actually started growing. So who knows? That could be the start of the first farm on the moon. You know? Can we send Matt Damon up there, too? <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Martian, it seems like it's just a plot out of a movie. <laughs> I think he's still on Mars, so we'll have to find <laughs> someone else for the moon. <laughs> but, what, I mean, what do we really know uh, in terms of the lunar surface from being there before and whether or not this really is, 
you know, science that, or technology that, that is within our grasp or within our grasp within the next decade? Yeah, it, it is within our grasp, but it's not without risk. As you mentioned, the Space IL Israeli lunar module, for less than $150 million, they actually got a, a lander to the moon. Now, it did crash land, but they did achieve a number of firsts by orbiting the moon and stuff like that. But this is a major, major scientific breakthrough and technologies needed to have to happen. I mean, if you think about the moon, it actually swings from 127 degrees during the day, like twice as hot as our hottest deserts, to minus 173 degrees for two weeks at a time, freezing cold. So it is not the most hospitable place. So you can imagine the technology you're going to have to put in place to, to make this actually happen. Uh, Tom, I, I know that you are an extraordinarily wealthy man. Um, <laughs> if you had a couple of mil just stuffed in your pockets, would you pon- pony up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll go to space? Uh, I, I think I'd wait 10 or 12 years to, to make sure the first ones go successfully, <laughs> because I would imagine the first ones are going to be the bigger risk. And, and we'll let the price come down from $30 million down to 2 or $3 million or something. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like that. You know, don't get the, the new phone when it first comes out, because it'll be cheaper. Exactly, exactly. I, except for we're talking about space. That's Tom Vassos, who's a member of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada. Tom, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Alan. Uh, there was a really fascinating report that came out of British Columbia yesterday, and Global News uh, journalist Sam Cooper has been looking into this, and we've been talking about it on the radio program as well, and that is money laundering in real estate. And the numbers, I don't know if you saw this, but they are shocking. An expert panel looking into money laundering in British Columbia's real estate in the real estate market out there has found an estimated $5 billion in dirty money was laundered through the province's housing market in 2018 alone. Now, the panel found that illegal activity contributed to increasing the cost of buying a home in the province by at least 5%. Just let that sink in there for a moment because, you know, you're, you may be saying, what, lotus land? Whatever. They're all, they're all on psilocybin mushrooms anyway. But re- let's look at this. And if you listened yesterday, you found out that Denver has uh, allowed that. So it's Denver where they're on the magic mushrooms, not British Columbia just to be to be fair but luxury cars horse racing all of this the panel that looked into this found that an estimated 7.4 billion in money was laundered through British Columbia in 2018 and the panel estimates that 47 billion was laundered in Canada in 2018 and that brings me to my point which is how expensive real estate is here and, you know, we chew over these real estate numbers, you know, every month. What's going on with the market? It is so unaffordable. It's driving people out. I actually had uh, a friend the other day. We were watching the Raptors game, not the one where they got crushed. Uh, and Drake was there. And I was, I was, I was you know, I was, I was preaching the, the gospel of Drizzy. And she said, I hate Drake. What, what, what do you mean? You, he, put his, he put the city on his back. What do you hate Drake for? And she said, because whenever, as soon as he got popular, that's when it became unaffordable to live in Toronto. And I'm like, okay, well, let's not blame Drizzy, but I do get your second half of your point, which is it's unaffordable to live in Toronto. And my point being is that part of the reason it may be unaffordable to live here is dirty money. And we talked about this earlier this week. Marco Ovid is a journalist with the Toronto Star, 
and he joined us earlier this week, and I asked him, what is it that we know about dirty money in the Toronto market? What we know is, in theory, there are not enough safeguards here to actually find and root out dirty money and separate the wheat from the chaff, separate the legitimate uh, real estate transactions from the ones that are hiding money. And, the, and, th- and that's the major problem. But because we can't separate those two, we have no idea of the scale of the problem. Is there a house on every block that's organized crime money? Or is it just a couple condos? We have no idea. So what, what we've sort of, I've been working on for the last few years is trying to, to, to go out and find it. But it, you know, it, it's uh, looking for a needle in a haystack. There are, you know, millions of houses and which ones are the ones that have the dirty money in them. That is Marco Ovid, a reporter, investigative journalist with the Toronto Star, talking about the possibility that there is dirty money in the Toronto market. We know that 5%, that is how much more expensive real estate in Vancouver has been because of dirty money. And if you've been following Vancouver real estate, it is slumping big time right now. Bit of a bubble burst And I think if you're living in this city and you own property or you're thinking about owning property, keep your eye on that. Quickly, I want to quickly do a Twitter thing here because I love Twitter. I don't know if you do. But here's here's something that I found on Twitter, and we're going to peel back the onion here. So this is what I found. I found a retweet today from former Ontario Deputy Premier Deb Matthews. Deb Matthews retweeting former Ontario Premier Bob Ray saying, you don't know what you're talking about, but that's not your point, is it? Your staff are only writing this because you're trying to stoke fear and resentment. Everyone knows the game you're playing. It's despicable. That is former Ontario Premier Bob Ray, who was retweeting Premier Doug Ford. Doug Ford had written, The federal government has broken our immigration system by allowing illegal border crossers to drive up wait time to five years. This is unacceptable for the millions of people waiting to get into Canada through the proper channel. And Doug Ford was retweeting the CBC. The CBC headline, Canada's Auditor General forecasts that by 2024, the wait time for asylum decisions could be more, could double, rather, to five years. Peeling back... The Twitter Onion. Welcome back. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in such a disturbing case north of the city at that Airbnb, the after-prom party where a young man was shot and killed. Three teenagers now facing charges. You may know the details of the story. They face charges after the murder of the 18-year-old who was left to die alone as hundreds of youths fled the after-prom party when gunfire erupted inside that rented mansion last week. And the death of that teenager has raised questions about safety and civic responsibility. And it is difficult to understand where we all stand on this, but I want to play for you. Here is the York Regional Inspector talking about what happened that night. 
over 400 uh, students from around the region that were at this party. One of the most frustrating factors for us is that when police arrived on scene after 4 a.m. and located the deceased, nobody was in the uh, house. There wasn't a single person in the area. That's, it seems utterly shocking. And here again is the inspector talking about when they were called and, and what actually happened, how it is that they found out something was wrong. Mr. Wadi was shot and killed approximately 20 minutes before police arrived on scene and approximately 15 minutes before we received the 911 call for service. So that is the latest on that situation and the investigation into what happened at that after-prom party. And again, you've heard that uh, three teens face a series of charges, two of them first-degree murder, one accessory after the fact. And and much of this raises questions, if we move away from the actual crime itself, about what are your obligations and what are your risks as a citizen when these sort of things happen. And, of course, you know that we have an opioid uh, problem in this country, and so we have a lot of people advocating Good Samaritan laws, sort of things where, you know, you are allowed to assist, but, you know, you don't have to fear that you would somehow be swept up in a police investigation. But what does it mean that no one called? Is that just a failure of society? Or is this something that we need to address in terms of knowing what it is that are our responsibilities and what are our risks in helping? Lyle Karasuk is the chair of the Canadian Council of First Aid Education. Lyle, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show today. Pleased to be with you. I, I know you don't want to talk about this specific case, and I totally understand that, but tell me, give our listeners an understanding of what I just talked about, your risks and your responsibilities as a civilian when something bad happens. Well, across Canada, we have, and it varies slightly from province to province, but across Canada, we have is what is called Good Samaritan legislation. Essentially, in a nutshell, it says this. You can do whatever you need to do to the best of your ability with the tools that are available to you to help someone, and you can't be held responsible for that through a court system. That's essentially what it says. Because what we want people to do is we want them to stop and do something. I mean, as long as it's safe to do so. I mean, we don't want somebody running out in the middle of the 401 and uh, trying to uh, rescue people when cars are rising by at, at great jeopardy to themselves. But we want people to do something. It is so incredibly simple to do something like CPR. Don't worry about doing the ventilation part because, honestly, a professional, a doctor, a nurse, a paramedic is likely not going to put his or her bare mouth over somebody else's bare mouth without some sort of a barrier device, some sort of protection. But it's easy to do CPR compression only. You have two fantastic hands, find the center of that person's chest, push down, push hard, push fast. That's a basic, simple skill we can really learn in like under 30 seconds. Lyle, but take, I mean, in, in terms of the skill is one thing, but then I think that people are, are, are fearful that, well, wait a minute, if this goes wrong, then maybe there's a wrongful death lawsuit coming my way. Well, and, and I think that's what we need to get past people in general is, is that people need to have the confidence and the willingness to do something. If it was you or I who collapsed on a street corner, would we want somebody to help us? 
I'm certain that we would. Yeah, but that's not the point. Whether what we want and what's going to happen to the person that helps are two different things. I think what we need to get Canadians past is simply the fact is, is that doing something is better than not doing something. In a busy shopping mall, on a street corner, in a school gymnasium, the confidence and the willingness of people to step out of that comfort zone as long as it's safe to do so and do something is what we struggle with greatly in Canada. We teach people thousands, millions of Canadians every year on behalf of the Canadian Red Cross in basic first aid skills. We give them the tools, we give them the confidence, we show them how to use things to do something, and we hope that in the time of an emergency, they will do something because it feels right for them. They want to do something, they want to help, they want to make the difference. In turn, they hope that if something happens to them, somebody is willing to be there to help them as well. As long as it's safe, we want Canadians to do something. If it's to stop the bleeding, get, get right down there. We look at things like the Boston Marathon, where we had huge amounts of tragedy. We've had that happen across the greater Toronto area. We want people to simply do something. Even if something is as simple as calling for help and keeping them safe and comfortable till emergency services are arriving, that is doing something. If you have the skill and want to do the skill, emergency services through 911 communications and emergency medical dispatch can teach you those other skills like putting pressure. It's the willingness and the need for us to get out of that little safe comfort zone and just do something. Do anything that you can do to help them. Just do something. That is Lyle Karasuk, who is the uh, chair of the Canadian Council of First Aid Education. Thank you for being on the program. You're very welcome, Alan. Thank you. When we come back on this show, I am going to save your life. Uh, Well, I'm going to save your relationships, which pretty much is the same thing, really, when you think about it. I'll be here for you. I will serve you And I will carry your message around I'll try to heal you I'll try to feel you If you will carry me on your back There's no pain in here Only gain in here And I will see this thing through and through Try to serve you Think of this next segment, ladies and gentlemen, as as help, as just I am providing for you a service because, you know, if you don't know, you should know it's Mother's Day this weekend, so you best be prepared. And you could have the kids make mom breakfast in bed, but she probably will hate that. Um, She won't say it out loud because that's what moms do. She'll just bury it deep inside and let you know about it some other time when you don't take out the garbage. It's probably what will happen. So here uh, we have a special panel to discuss the reality of Mother's Day and what moms want and don't want. And we have a variety of moms here. Uh, I'll begin by introducing Naomi Parnas, who is a veteran journalist. Uh, Naomi, tell me about your family. I've got two boys. They're 10 and 7, and um, they're great. They're wonderful boys, and I love them, and we spend a lot of family time together, and I'm really excited to tell you what I really want. <laughs> okay, okay. And and you're you're married? You're... you're, you're your your yes. partner, yeah, okay. Dad's still there. I'm married, 
married 13 years. Okay, good. Congratulations for you. Uh, Kate Davis uh, and Kelly Fansom are with us as well, and they are on the uh, web series Best Before. Kate, uh, tell me about your family. My family, my kids are grown. They're in their 20s, uh, but I still expect them to be here on Sunday for sure. Okay. And uh, over the years, we've had many uh, fun family uh, Mother's Day for sure. And, and, and uh, are, are you still a, a together family? Are you, are you one of these, uh, you know, Brady Bunch families? Um, oh, no, no. We're, I'm being with my husband for 30 years this year. Oh, um, well, okay. Well, congratulations for that. That's well, okay. That, I, you don't have to congratulate. No, I do. I, I do. I'm 30 good. years. Uh, Kelly I'm Phantom, I want to bring in here now. Uh, Kelly, tell me about your family. Um, I have two men. Um, sorry, those are my kids. That's good. I mean, wow. That is, <laughs> man, I, that's a different show that we're doing. That's, that's, that's right. later. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I have two grown men, uh, children who are 20 and 24. I'm divorced. I've been divorced for over 10 years, and I haven't uh, had a mother's day for over 10 and a half years. So okay. Oh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, to bring out the violin. All right, and uh, so just for background, everybody, I, I have two kids. Uh, I have uh, a daughter who is 12 and a son who's almost 11, and I am divorced. So uh, I have a perspective here, and I have some questions. Let's begin, though, with you, Naomi, and what moms really want this Sunday. Go. So no matter what situation you're in, I'm very sentimental. And even if you're not, I think moms just want to be thought of. They just want attention. You're right. You said, you know, if you don't know, Mother's Day is a Sunday. I don't know if my kids know because they're now at the age where, you know, they used to be in kindergarten. They used to make stuff in school. Like their teachers would tell them to make stuff. I'm waiting to see if my kids have remembered that it's Mother's Day and if they're going to make me a card. Because really all I want is a handwritten card and attention. Moms want they want to be thought of. They want to know they're thought of. And okay. as nice as gifts are, I think the other thing, and I'm not saying this in a bad way because I love my kids and I love spending time with them, but I asked the moms today what would they want. We want some time alone. Leave me alone. Kate Davis, is that, is, is that Mother's Day to you? Or are you you're, you're oh making your grown God. kids come uh, over? Uh, well, my kids do come over, but when they were little, really, all I wanted was time alone. I just I want... Love- yeah, I love being with them, and I want to spend the day with them, but I'd like a few hours in the morning where I'm a lo- like, I can go for a walk, I can work out, I cannot be interrupted. Literally, it's just a few hours. It's not a long time. Where you're not hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> yes, and where no yeah. one's interrupting you when you're in the bathroom. Right, okay, Naomi and Kate, a question for you, and I'm going to go to Kelly after this, but uh, Naomi and Kate, especially when the kids are younger, like yours, Naomi, how much do you expect uh, Dad there to step in? And like you were saying, I mean, you, your kids probably don't know it's Mother's Day, but it, you know, isn't your husband responsible for stepping in to make sure they get that homemade card together? Of course he is. Very big, yes, very big responsibility that he better remember. And <laughs> the fact that we up- carry these humans. Uh, all right. our bodies. All right. Okay, settle down with the gestation talk, all right? <laughs> uh, Kelly, Kelly, to you, and here is my question. Um, as a divorced dad, do I need to go out there and shop for my ex-wife so my kids have something to take to their mom on Sunday? Okay, I have two questions for you. Do you like her, and are you feeling generous? <laughs> Uh, she is a great mom, and I'm a cheap, cheap man. Okay, 
So across the board, don't buy her a salad spinner. Um, <laughs> I would say like free daycare on Tequila Tuesday. Doesn't matter if it's Mother's Day or not. You just want to give her a day off. I, and you, I should send her a bottle of tequila? <laughs> well, just like, take the kids. Take the kids on a day where she can just go out and be babysitter. You know, you be babysitter. I, I, I'll tell you, for the, the last couple of years, and then I thought, this is not wise, I, uh, for, the, for Christmas and stuff, I just had the kids give her an LCBO gift card. I think you really that. want your kids to take a little bit of the effort on themselves. <laughs> So then if, like, the marriage doesn't work out, it won't happen like what happened to me, where they're like, we don't know what to do without dad. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. I, give them a little incentive to do uh, it on their own. Kate, I, I, I want you to address the grown-ups out there, um, assuming that you actually believe your children are truly grown-ups. But I want you to address the, the grown-ups out there who are thinking... What in the? I, what do I get, Mom? I mean, do I get her something? I mean, she doesn't need anything. What do I do? All moms need something. What? So, Back to the salad spinner or the tequila? Anything? Oh yeah, well the tequila I'd go with <laughs> salad spinner. I, that's why I had children. <laughs> Stay at the spa, manicure, just being thought of. I think it's. Just, I think it's just show that you know us. Show yeah. that you know something about us. Yeah. yeah like, is, it, is that you, Kelly? Show yeah, that, yeah, Kelly? That's, that's me, yeah. Okay, uh, how, what, like, what, how do I know? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I'm a man. I'm not, I am not paying. Listen, I only pay, look, you know, dudes, we only pay attention when we have to save our own skin. That's it. Sure. Last second. That's why you're that's divorced. Don't borrow lingerie on Mother's Day. Do not. Do yes, not. do not. If she likes books, if she likes a TV show, if she likes it, take her to a play, if she likes play, it's What she means is if you know them, you have to know their personality and what they'll appreciate, something that they'll appreciate. See, that's right. I also just, uh, I have a book out called Second Best Mom, Story Tips and Okay Advice. And if you need to get a Mother's Day present, it's a great read. Okay. That is, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Okay. I'm on this. I'm on <laughs> yeah, this. sure. All right. I, that sure some some advice there. All right. La- we're going to go around with taking donations for Tequila Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to go around uh, for just some last advice here um, on Mother's Day. Naomi Parnas, I want you to talk to the husbands. What do they do? The husbands have to think of their wives, and I mean they should be doing that every day, but they they need to. Thank you. They need, yes, Mother's Day should be every day. Like, let's start, let's start with that. But anyways, on Mother's Day, they do need to make sure that they are thinking of their wives and that their kids are thinking of their, their moms. And so I, I do want family time. I want to be together. And, you know, we're lucky this year. We're actually, we're going for dinner, the four of us, which never happens. Because you have to split between your, my own mom. I have to see my own mom, my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law happens to be away this year. So my family of four is actually going to go for dinner, which to me will be the most special part of the day. Aww. Kate? Uh, hit up uh, those grown kids out there who are thinking, well, do I have to go and see mom for sure? Absolutely. Go and see your mother. Yes. Tell her how much you love her and how much you appreciate her and how much you want to be there for her. And, uh, you know, take a bottle of champagne. Start with some mimosas and with tequila. That's it. That's all I got to say. Kelly, last word to you for those uh, modern families out there, split up, whatever. What do you? What do you do? What do you say to the divorced dads out there? Stay far, far away. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> all right. That is Naomi Parnas, Kate Davis, and Kelly Fansom. Uh, thank you all for being on the program today. Thanks for You're having welcome. me. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, happy for the Happy Mother's Day. Uh, from here, I have to go and interview the Minister of Health. Now, uh, Christine Elliott is standing by in a television studio not far from where I'm speaking to you. And I'll be interviewing her for Focus Ontario, which you can watch Saturday at 5.30, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. You can also watch me on the news tonight, beginning at 5.30 p.m. Have a great weekend. His heart was two sizes too small.